Good morning, my name is Amanda O'Shea. Uh, I work with Alpha Ireland as uh, their, is that better? their uh, head of development and a national youth coordinator. I'm a wife, a foster mom, and I've been attending St. Catharines for the past three years. So I'm a newbie, no. um, and I love it. I've loved uh, being a part of this family um, and discovering all of who you are and being a part of who you are. And every day as a foster mom is an adventure, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, what li links the kids will go to for discovery, um, our son Adam has become supremely good at this. Uh, he decided the other day to stick a Lego up his nose, and uh, just to, you know, because you do. And um, I said, no, oh, you thought that was a good idea, did you? And he was like, yeah, I did. And I said, great, okay. Uh, or when uh, I found uh, a plastic sword uh, melted at the tip and stuck to the carpet hidden under the couch when we went to go vacuum it. Yeah, that was a good day. And, uh, but my favorite, uh, and this was all yesterday, no. But my, my favorite part was when Ava decided to use, we have these big um, kind of Pilates balls, you know, the exercise balls. She decided to uh, use them creatively uh, not for Pilates, but to put them kind of near the couch because they love to play the floor is lava. You know, you can't touch the floor. Yeah, in the sitting room. So they decided to dive bomb them, flip over, and land on the couch as easily as possible. So we have no more Pilates balls um, in our house if anybody wants to make a donation in this area. Um, so that, that's sometimes being in my house feels like uh, a team of huskies, you know, on the Arctic. It's an adventure, but uh, it can also be scary and a little bit exciting uh, and exhausting. But we love every minute of it. Um, I've always loved sharing my house. It's probably because um, of when I was a teenager myself, I had a difficult um, time. My mom was going through a nervous breakdown when I was a, in a 17, 18, and I was doing my, what you call the equivalent of the leaving cert. Um, and I had gotten a year behind in maths and English in school because my family owned a restaurant when I was in third year that was going bankrupt and I had to help out at the restaurant every day after school and I just got behind. So it's catching up to me by sixth year and I haven't caught up and I really want to graduate on time. I caught up all my other subjects except maths and English. But my mom had just come out of a very abusive relationship with my stepfather. She just left that relationship and she was having a nervous breakdown and kind of taking that out on me a bit. And you know, when I say these things, just want to say I adore my mom. She is like my rock and my fortress. Um, she's the most amazing example of a woman I've got in my life and I love her to death but she just went through a very difficult time and we went through a difficult time so I moved out for a period um, with uh, a family in our church and I was still finishing my year in school, my last year of high school or secondary school and uh, this family just embraced me and took care of me and made me feel loved and um, 
carried my burden while still keeping the relationship with my mom uh, alive. They were able to help me mend that relationship and help me to stay connected to my family and to my mom. And now my, my relationship with my mom is stronger than it's ever been. Like it's through that patch. That was a very difficult patch we went through. But um, I think because here was this family that just opened their lives up. I literally moved in with them. And I did finish on time. I actually was quite shocked two weeks before I walked um, for graduation that I got honors. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? I'm just glad to make it over the finish line. And um, I think that's why I love sharing my house and bearing uh, burdens, which we're going to talk a bit about today in Galatians. So let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. And you love us so well. We just want to honor you for your goodness, for your love, for how you set our feet on strong places. Thank you for this church community. And we pray you continue to strengthen the bonds of friendship in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, there's a picture that you're probably looking at there. It's actually a piece of art called Kindred Spirits by Alex Pintek. And it um, is nine 20-foot stainless steel eagle's feathers in the shape of a bowl with no two feathers being identical. It was built in 2015 in the Irish town of Middleton County, Cork. Now I came across this story which was quite interesting to me because the sculpture is to commemorate a donation by the Choctaw Nation and the Native Americans in America, where I'm from. Um, they donated $170 to the Irish famine in 1847, which I found fascinating. Um, the Choctaws themselves were victims of forced immigration from their ancestral lands in the U.S. in the 1830s, so just a few years before their donation, um, where they saw thousands die. Um, and they saw the plight of the starving Irish people something in themselves. And it created something in them that they decided to give out of that place, which I found remarkable connection. So I want us just to read and get into the passage from Galatians 6. Now, you can use the Bibles on your chairs, but I've actually put all the words up for you because I really, really want to do it from the message today, if that's okay with everybody. And you can follow along. Um, up there, and I actually forgot to bring my message Bible, so I'm going to turn this way without the sun in my eyes. So, so live creatively. This is in Galatians 6. Friends, if someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore them, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share your burdens, and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you're badly deceived. Next one. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, 
and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be very sure now, you who've been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous, common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Now, in these last sentences, I want to emphasize in the bold scrawls of my personal handwriting the immense importance of what I have written to you. These people who are attempting to force the ways of circumcision on you have only one motive. They want an easy way to look good before others, lacking the courage to live by a faith that shares Christ's sufferings and death. All their talk about the law is gas. They themselves don't keep the law, and they are highly selective in the laws they do observe. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast of their success in recruiting you to their side. That is contemptible. For my part, I'm going to boast about nothing but the cross of our Master Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I have been crucified in relation to the world, set free from the sifting atmosphere or the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others and fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. Can't you see the central issue in all this? It is not what you and I do. Submit to circumcision, reject circumcision. It is what God is doing. He is creating something totally new, a free life. All who walk by this standard are the true Israel of God, His chosen people. Peace and mercy on them. Quite frankly, I don't want to be bothered anymore by these disputes. I have far more important things to do. The serious living of this faith, I bear in my body scars from my service to Jesus. May what our Master Jesus Christ gives freely be deeply and personally yours, my friends. Oh, yes. Well, I just looked at this and I just went, okay. So the first thing I thought of was this was definitely a drop the mic moment for Paul. I was like, dang, Paul, okay. And it's almost like if you can imagine him saying this, he just went and just walked out of the room. <laughs> he, was, he was mad. Okay, when he wrote Galatians, when he wrote this letter to the Galatians, I'm just going to scoop a little because of the sun. Is that okay? Okay. Um, when he wrote this, uh, N.T. Wright is somebody I like to read a lot of commentaries on in the Bible talks about how it was, he was white heat hot. He was so angry, um, and he had good reason for it. Sometimes there's really good reasons for being angry. Um, 
this is one of the most controversial books that he wrote. Um, he was angry because after he had been to Galatia, these rival missionaries came in after him and presented another gospel. Okay, but it really wasn't another gospel. It was just undermining the gospel, the good news that Paul had just given to people. Okay, so what was happening is he had just talked about the grace, the new creation that we can become, that the old has become new. And, and then these rival missionaries came in and they're talking to the Galatians and they're saying to them, okay, so Paul probably went to Jerusalem, he learned a few things, he maybe hung out with the disciples and learned a few things, but he didn't get everything. He missed a few bits. And he came, and, and, and these are what these rival missionaries, they were saying that they were questioning Paul's authority, and they were saying he actually missed the part about circumcision. He actually meant to tell you that you need to be circumcised as well. And, and the Galatians are like these new Christians, and they're like, what? Like, what are we supposed to do about this? And, and the Galatians are confused because these rival missionaries have come in and they've presented, a, a, they've added to kind of what Paul was saying. And they were making it harder for these new believers to actually follow Jesus. And they're, and they're sitting there going, that's, that's a big ass. Like, what? Do you know? And, and I wonder how many times we do that in ourselves or with others. Paul hits back and says what he presented in this letter is the full message. Not one missing thing. Not any bits missing. So these rival missionaries came to him and said, well, Paul told you all that he needs to know. But, but maybe he just missed this bit. But Paul hits back strongly. And in Galatians 6.16, he says... We have been redefined by God around the Messiah. The Jews don't stop being Jewish to become Gentile or vice versa. But the point of being God's people has now been fulfilled in Christ. The people of God are now known as Messiah's people. Okay? So Paul was desperate to communicate how important it was to understand that there is no time Give no time for purely external expressions of religion. For neither does circumcision mean anything, nor does uncircumcision, but only becoming a new creation. God was establishing, or you could say launching, a new world, a new age that came when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected. That was the, new, the start of a new creation could happen for all of us. And it all revolves around this Messiah, around Jesus Christ. Becoming a new creation, Paul was trying to say, is more important than circumcision. So in this, this week, I'm often talking to my husband. I don't see him in the room, so I can talk about him. Um, he's always petrified of what I'm going to say up here about him. Uh, or anybody else. Um, that's great. I think he's out of the room. So... Um, I planned that. He kept asking me this week, um, what would be a relevant example, a today example of circumcision? Because <laughs> it's kind of far removed from us, yeah? A little bit, you know, as Christians, we don't really require people to do that anymore. So I started thinking about this, and there's a slide that um, you could bring up. It says terms and conditions. And I thought about this um, with Haji because... 
I love my husband, but if you're a salesman, he will buy it from you. Okay? So if you come to my door, and he's the one answering the door, he's going to switch. He has no problem switching. He's like, yeah, that sounds like a great deal. So one time I had just changed electricity companies, and I had a contract. And another salesman for electricity comes to the door, and he says, that sounds great. He signs us up. And I come home, and I'm like, what did you do? You know, and I'm just like, oh, you are back in the room. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't see you there. <laughs> I am so busted. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I... <laughs> I'm going to bring it back down. <laughs> I won't, I won't. So I just was like, okay, you are no longer allowed to open the door to salesmen. Anyone who comes to the door, let me handle it because you will buy whatever they're selling. And, um, but what always happens with these salesmen, they always make it so sound really good. God bless them. But there's always what? There's always terms and conditions, isn't there? And that's kind of what was going on with this whole circumcision thing, all right? Is these other people were coming in, Paul said, that's it, grace, you know? Accept the grace that comes with following Jesus. And these other people were saying, eh, he, didn't, he didn't read the fine print. He didn't know the fine print, therefore he didn't tell you about the fine print. There are terms and conditions. If you really want to stay away from the evil one, you will get circumcised. So that's kind of my, I hope that's okay, honey, my modern day relevant example of circumcision. Um, what terms and conditions do you have around your faith? So this is really good to think about as Owens just challenged us in, in establishing patterns, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, and I'm trying to do it myself, even with like, a ringtone or something to, to, I have a bell in the morning that reminds me to pray the Bible. I know that sounds terrible, but when you're busy with kids in the house, I'm telling you, it's great to have just a ding, ding to say, okay, stop, just stop for a minute and pray. Um, and so doing that's going to really help us if we can get on board with that. But in that, you need to balance it with grace, don't you? Because it can become religious, right? So you do need to Think of it in terms of, I want to build this relationship with God, not out of obligation. If I spend, so in other words, in your head, do you say, if I spend X amount of hours praying and reading God's word today, then I won't have any major dramas this week. <laughs> I think that's funny because I do that in my head all the time. And I just think the dramas don't stop. So yeah, I could tell you the dramas from this week. But um yeah, so no amount of praying and reading God's word is going to stop the dramas from happening. But what external expression of religion are you holding on to is sacred. What has become so sacred in your life that there's no room left for the work of God's amazing grace through the cross of Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Can you go back to, it's the very first slide for the passage and message uh, Galatians 6, 1 to 3. So people can we look at Yeah, thanks. So my biggest pet peeve as a church is isolating ourselves in a bubble as Christian community. Um, there's a verse I love in Romans 8, 19. I didn't put it up, 
but it just says, for creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The earth is waiting for you and I to come alive, all right? And so that we can share our DNA, what God has given us, with the rest of the world. They're waiting for us to walk in our identity as sons and daughters of Christ, to lift our head and remember who God has made us to be. We first have to evaluate our hearts and challenge our mindsets and prejudices. We need to be honest. How do we see other people around us? Because see, fear is what stops us, okay, often, doesn't it, from reaching out or getting involved with somebody else, whether it's fear of how, how far does this rabbit hole go with this person. If I, if I put one foot in with this person that's maybe hurting or suffering, how far does that go? How, how far is my commitment going to go? Or sometimes it's just, I don't know that I'll have the answers. Or maybe we just think, no, I can't go there because God wants me to stay pure and therefore doesn't want me engaging with the world. And I've seen this and time and time again. Where we just don't engage because of fear, because we're afraid. But how do we see people with addiction? I want us to examine our hearts with mental health issues, who are homeless, who are going through a divorce. People didn't wake up one day and decide to be brokenhearted. You probably never thought you would end up living where you live or have that job or not have those children. But here we are, living out of fear instead of a spirit, and fear is crippling. Fear prevents us from discovering not only who we're really meant to be in Christ, but fear also prevents us from ever discovering who God has made those around us to be. So my life was messy. Um, I went through a divorce in America. Yes, I was married before. And I had a really good friend uh, named Patricia. It'll be really hard for me to call her Patricia because we call her Patty, but that's a boy's name over here. But her name was Patty. And um, she, her life would say was, wasn't perfect, but she had a lot of good things, not much drama going on in her life. And I was messy. I was going through a divorce. And she had this dream about me. And forgive me if I read, I can't remember if I've told you all this story before, but if I have, just forgive me. But she had this dream about me where she was driving this white car and it had white leather seats. And I had this dog at the time named Jackie. It was a little rat terrier. And she said that I hopped in the back of the car and that Jackie was bleeding a lot. My dog was bleeding. It was getting all over her white car. And she woke up and she was like, came to me and said, Amanda, this, I had the strangest dream about you. And she was like, why, why am I dreaming about this dog, you know, Jack, this happening Jack? And I said, oh my goodness, I know exactly what that means. I don't often, but I said, my life is messy and it's getting all over your stuff. <laughs> and you're letting me get in your car anyway and mess up your car. And that meant the world to me when I was going through my divorce. 
Do you know that someone was willing to walk with me to climb down in the hole, as Brene Brown talks about? There's a great video on empathy. Go look it up, where empathy is crawling down in the hole with the person, not feeling like you have to have any answers, and being present and saying to them, I hear you, and I don't have any answers, but I'm here. And that's what my friend Patricia did for me when my life was messy. Our lives get messy sometimes, but we can lose sight of this fact when learning about someone else's mess. We think they are losing out on our charity, but we are the ones who lose in what could be the most meaningful relationships or moments. My friend Patricia tells me all the time, I was just back there last November visiting, and um, Haji and I were in the back of the car listening to her and her husband, and I was just reminding them how important they were in my life and, and how pivotal they were and, and loving me and caring for me through a very difficult time in my life. And she just was like, Amanda, you, she goes, ah, knowing you has been like the most important moment in my life. And, and she just went on and on about how getting involved with my mess meant to her and how it changed her life um, and taught her about grace in a way that nothing else could. There's a verse in Galatians 6.6 6 where it says, generous common life, which I love. There's a little phrase, generous common life. And I want to challenge us to think about that Choctaw when they had nothing and $170 sounds like a very small amount, but in 1847 to the Choctaw Nation, that must have been an insurmountable amount of money to send over to Ireland to help with the Irish famine. And they shared a generous common life there in that for a people very far away. My life has story after story of God's church reaching out to me and carrying my burdens. This is where God's church shines. I'm hoping today, Galatians 6, the whole teaching, this is the final talk in the Galatians series, um, I'm hoping it puts a fire in your belly. I'm hoping today is a challenge to you to put a fire in your belly, to begin to value your footprint and your community and our community. There is no more simple gospel than loving God and loving others. Do you value your footprint in your community? Do you actually think you have one? We talk about our carbon footprint all the time. But do you ever think about your spiritual footprint and what you leave behind? I started thinking about this when I was living in Artane. And uh, my first eight years in Ireland, I lived in Artane and um, loved it. And I, I learned about this park. I used to walk my dogs in this park near my house. And in it, um, I learned that it used to be a boys' school. And a lot of horrible things happened in this boys' school. And my heart just broke. And I just began to pray as I walked this, this track at this park. And I prayed for any blood that was shed, any abuse that had taken place, in the, just even physically on the land that I was walking on to be healed. And I began to think, literally, physically, the footprint that I was leaving as I was walking. And, and I began to think about, you know, God, I want to be accessible and I want to be available. And I would say that in my prayers, I would take this walk. 
And then inevitably, someone ended up coming and walking with me and start talking to me. And we'd have these amazing conversations. And then it became that people would start to look for me whenever I was walking so that they could come and walk with me so that we could continue the conversations. And I had the most amazing conversations with people just from being accessible and just making an intention to be available. Are we accessible? When I left Artane and moved, I'm way out in the country now, um, my heart grieved. I was grieving, leaving, because I valued my footprint in this, this community. And I felt like I'm, I'm stepping out of, like I'm, I felt like I was kind of holding the ground a bit in my little patch, if that makes sense, in this community. And I was leaving it. I knew I was supposed to. I knew it was God's move for us as a family. And, and now where I am, I'm four years where I am, and, I, and God is establishing us again. And it's really difficult to get established, in it, but we already feel so welcomed um, in this community. People come out, like literally, um, we had an hour to decide whether to take Shanika, our last foster child, an hour. Tusla gave us one hour <laughs> to make a decision. Now, we were able to say yes, not right when they asked us, we prayed for an hour, <laughs> because we, were, we had done the foundations of being available. So we'd already become approved as foster carers. There's a lot of work that goes in. You can't just, obviously. So there was a lot of prep work that had to go in before being able to say yes to that, right? So you might have a bit of prep work to do in your own life to be available and to be ready to say yes and to say accept, be accessible and to be available to people. Okay? But are we doing that work in order that we can get to that place where we can say yes when God says, here, I want you to have that conversation. Or here, I want you to go here. Or I want you to do that. Are we even listening? Do we even, are we even switched on? Is our spirits vulnerable and open enough and ready to hear or see people in that moment of need? How do we see people? People need a voice. So what obstacles? I've got several questions. I know I've already asked you several. I am going to close here. Um, what obstacles do we put on new believers or ourselves? Are we accessible, available? Are we walking in the spirit and not out of fear? Grace is what gets us through every day. And prayer is a great starting place for our city. For us to begin to be their voice. Because just like I'm an advocate as a foster parent, we can be advocates for our city, for our community, by praying for them. And as we begin to pray, you can't help for your heart to begin to break for the needs that's going on around you. Because you're connecting to it. You have to, you know? The city needs for us to cry out on their behalf, to be their voice for the most vulnerable. I'm gonna ask the worship team just to come up and I'm gonna just um, close with a few questions here.
And um, as we prepare our hearts just to finish, I know I've challenged you on lots of things. I've brought up lots of questions. I'm hoping something in Galatians 6 has stirred you up in a good way. It's not intended to be another burden on your shoulders. It's not intended to be something heavy for you to carry. It's intended to get us as angry as Paul was about what's happening to the people around us. Oh, I'll get emotional. There's a lot of hurt and brokenness. And we have hope. We have the hope of Jesus Christ alive in us. And the church is God's answer. You, God believes in you and your value and what you have to offer, your DNA. And you might be thinking, I can't do one more thing. Then pray. You can start with praying. And then allow the Holy Spirit to open the door. There'll be an organic door that will open for you. And you can talk to me another time, because I can literally talk to the cows go home about those doors that just open once you start praying. And my life is full of them. Like literally, next steps, where I'm to do, go next and do next. Because I've decided that that's what I want to do, I don't want to operate out of fear. Because I will miss out on those relationships. I will miss out on learning from you. Right? Right?